When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a special episode of the podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. And I'm Matt Wenzel. You heard an extra name in there because it is a joint episode of the Wolverine Confidential and Spartan Confidential podcast. That's because Michigan and Michigan State will meet on the football field this Saturday. We will tell you everything you need to know and some things you probably don't about the game starting now. All right. Welcome, Aaron McMahon and Ryan Zook, my MLive colleagues on the Michigan Beat, and of course, my usual partners for the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. And also, welcome Matt Wenzel, MLive's Michigan State football beat writer and a member of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. Matt, welcome to our circus. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, we've obviously got a lot to talk about. It is a huge game, as probably is mentioned somewhere in like all of our preview stories. Both teams are 7-0. and They're both ranked in the top 10. This is a big deal, you know, historically. It's the game of the day. I know, I know you guys are all are all pros, but does it excite you a little bit, you know, just covering the game that it's like it, it's the game of the day? I always like that when you're at the game that you know everybody, you know, nationally, like fans are gonna be watching. All attention is on that game. You don't want to get too excited, you know, you want to stay focused, but I don't know. It's a nice thing, is it not? I think the unbeaten nature and the top 10 rankings make it even better because I think we're used to covering the rivalry itself, you know, the in-state thing right. where everyone, they have one side. And this is the case where not only not only does the state of Michigan care, but everyone, it seems like across the country, will be tuning in caring because it's a top 10 matchup and the winner theoretically could could find themselves in the, in the playoff down the line. Are you guys saying the Buffalo Bowling Green game isn't the game of the week? I don't think that so. That game even on TV? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, just from Michigan State's perspective, this is, you know, the biggest home game they've had since 2015 when they hosted Oregon. And you could easily make a case this is even bigger just because, you know, it's the rivalry. So Mel Tucker has been, you know, after the weird year last year, obviously his debut, no fans. He's been pushing since before the season started to pack Spartan Stadium and, you know, the woodshed and the student section, the deep end and all that stuff. But well, you get to the last week in October and you're unbeaten and you're hosted in Michigan and they're unbeaten, uh, you shouldn't have a hard time selling tickets for that one. Has college game day and Fox noon kickoff ever been at the same location yes. before? Not the same campus though, right? They were both at Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But they've never Soldier been on the field. same. Yeah. But they've never been on the same campus. So yeah, that, that uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin game. I know they're they, Yeah. They were both at that one, but yeah, this is, this is different as Matt said. Let's kind of talk about both sides of the ball. We can start with, you know, when when Michigan has the ball on offense. Matt, 
a lot of the talk here, at least I, you know, from, from the questions I'm hearing from writers at these availabilities, is the thought that Michigan will have to throw the ball to kind of move the ball and score points. They're going to have to hit some plays downfield in the passing game. I mean, do you think that is true? I look at Michigan State's run defense statistically. I mean, it's not Wisconsin. Like that was a thought going into that Michigan-Wisconsin game is that they'd have to do that, and they did. Do you, do you think that will be necessary, or, or, or is Michigan State a little vulnerable on the ground? Well, I mean, they're not, it's not going to be like a, you know, a neg- what was that, Devin Gardner game when it was like negative 40 yards rushing, whatever <laughs> that ridiculous thing was, where they sacked him like a thousand times. No, I mean, they're, Michigan will get some yards on the ground, but I just, I, I don't think, you know, that Michigan State hasn't allowed a, a team to rush for 200 yards this year. They haven't allowed an individual 100-yard rusher. You know, I know Michigan's obviously got two talented backs uh, at the top of the rotation there, and they'll pick up yards, but I think you're going to, I mean, if you look at, if you've been watching Michigan State this year, their vulnerability is in the passing game, particularly their corners, when they get them one-on-one and teams just try to go, go right at them and either complete some passes or pick up some pass interference calls. I, I would be surprised if Michigan ran the ball with ease, you know, on the ground and wasn't, didn't have to, you know, go up top at all to, to be successful. From a play calling perspective, I'm really curious to see Michigan, how Michigan dials up this game, how, how Josh Gass approaches this thing, because I, I have to think they're going to try and run the ball early. You know, we've talked about this in, the, in previous weeks, just to establish the run game. And depending on how successful they are there, I think it's going to, as we've seen in previous weeks, is going to determine how much they throw the ball. I mean, I, I, I think they're going to try and get, you know, Corum and, and Haskins going. And whether they're successful or not, you know, obviously remains to be seen. But I truly believe this is going to be a telltale game for Cade McNamara. You know, he's gotten a lot of criticism in recent weeks for his, his ability or maybe lack thereof to complete the deep ball. But Michigan, you Matt mentioned, you know, the secondary being a vulnerability. You know, I think this is an opportunity for Cade to show that he can do that and win a game doing that, doing it that way. So from Michigan, from Michigan's perspective, the offense is going to be a fascinating thing to watch because they've obviously leaned on the run game so much this year. It's been their crux. It's been their, you know, the reason they've won some of these games. And, you know, if we're going up against a top tier defensive line or a decent, you know, a relatively decent defensive line and you can't get it going, how they deal with that and, how, and whether they can complete that deep ball, I think it's going to determine whether they, they can get some points on the board and ultimately win this game Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at that, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin game, they, they ran 44 times for 112 yards. Like they stuck with it and they, they got those, you know, two, three, four, five yard runs. They never hit any big ones. Their, their longest one was eight in that game, which is obviously pretty extreme, but yeah, I guess I maybe, maybe it could be something like that where yes, they have to they have to open up the playbook to actually be successful. It's just, it's interesting, right? Cause it doesn't sound like it's weakness versus weakness, maybe at least from what we've seen so far from Michigan and what, you know, Matt said about Michigan State. I guess what what else, you know, when Michigan has the ball are any of you guys uh, looking for? Well, I, I think it's been clear that Michigan's MO offensively is to churn, like kill clock and have these long possessions. Because I think what, for once, you know, it, it keeps the opposing defense off the field or keeps Michigan's defense off the field. And I think that was a concern, obviously, coming in this year. They, they've shown that they can handle it. But Michigan has won, won games because they have these long, drawn-out you know, possessions where they eventually score points and keep the other team off the field. So I, I have to think they're going to try that again. To me, that I, I think is Mich- going to be Michigan's game plan. And you know, the quicker Michigan State can stop that or prevent that, I think bodes well for them. So I, I, you're right. I, I think the weakness versus weakness thing is going to be interesting. And and I think the, the team that comes out on top and on that side of the ball, I, I think very much could determine the, the game on Saturday. 
I mean, it's funny you mentioned the time possession thing because it's been the exact opposite for Michigan State. You know, they, the explosive plays, the quick strikes have stood out, but they, they haven't been able to sustain drives really at all. So they're 119th in the nation in time of possession. So as much as you'd like to score quickly and, and take that, um, you know, they, they've put their defense out there, you know, for a good chunk of the game. Xavier Henderson, their senior safety, has barely came off the field all year. Last time I looked a couple of weeks ago, he led the nation in snaps played per game. So the defense is used to being out there, and they said they haven't been worn down, but I think that is something to watch. And I, you know, there's another thing. The Michigan, I didn't notice this until I think it was yesterday, um, like third in the nation in sacks allowed, something like that. Yeah, I think yep. they've only given up. Yeah, that's Michigan State is – tied for fifth in the nation, I believe, in, in sacks per game, averaging like three games. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially with the way Michigan State rotates their defensive line. They really, they've been going deep since day one, and, you know, they've been without Drew Beasley for the last month, so we'll see if he gets back, but uh, we haven't heard anything about that. That's what I was going to mention, too. For for me, what I'm going to be watching is if Trevor Keegan and Zach Center are able to go for, for Michigan. I mean, those are... Two, there are two starting guards that have been kind of instrumental in their success running running the ball this year and, and better in pass protection than, than Chuck Filiaga. I, I think he got burned last game for, for a sack. But, uh, yeah, those two guys are, are key components. And, and with Michigan's pass rush, we say that Tays going to have to go through the air and chuck it up to get some deep plays down the field. But he might not have much time if MSU is able to get pressure on him. So I, I think Michigan is going to try and run the ball, avoid being put in – third and long situations where, where they are forced into having to chuck it up and allow maybe MSU to get some pressure. So. And for the record, we did ask about Keegan and, and Zinter this week, and Jim Harbaugh gave us a we'll see, which is pretty typical for him regarding <laughs> injuries. I have to think that they're, they're both going to play. You know, when, when they Zinter played against Nebraska with that shoulder injury, played through it, he didn't play last last week against Northwestern. And, and Zinter, it looked like a lower body injury. He came out of the game again against Nebraska. It didn't look very serious at the time. He's still standing on the sideline. So I have to think both of them are kind of held out last week as a precautionary measure. Because remember, they had to buy the week before, so they kind of got two full weeks to recover. Because I have to think Michigan's going to try and be, you know, a full, a full goal Saturday against Michigan State, knowing, you know, knowing what's on the line. It's always a truthful answer when he says that. We will see. I mean, that is that is the fact. We'll find out on Saturday. Last thing about the Michigan State defense, I have to ask about a particular player, Ben Van Sumeren, because he used to play for the Wolverines, and now he plays for the Spartans. That is that is unique as a little story in and of itself. Yeah, what is his, uh, you know, Michigan fans who you know haven't been watching Michigan State every week, will they see him out there a lot, or what's his? I mean, I would expect to see him. I wouldn't expect to see him a lot. So Michigan State basically overhauled at linebacker in the offseason through the portal, like they did at heavily at corner. So the starters all year have been um, Kovarius Crouch from Tennessee and Cal Halliday, who was a returner. He was a surprise starter. So those two guys have been the starters all year, minus Halliday having to sit the first half at Rutgers because of targeting call. That led to Van Summer starting that game. But I think it was maybe two series in or something like that. He got subbed out. Noah Harvey took over for him. So, I mean, he, he's been a rotational player and a special teams player. So really third, fourth in, in the mix, I'd say, you know, depending on how they go. But you'll, you'll probably see him out there. I think they've used him a fair amount. They'll bring him and Harvey in um, some uh, goal line situational stuff outside of the regular gotcha all right let, let's move let's move to the other side of the ball when, when Michigan State has a ball against Michigan's defense 
Yeah, Matt, I mean, we we know we've been hearing the name Kenneth Walker. The Some of these receivers have, have put up some huge games. Yeah, I guess a, a quick overview of, of Michigan State's offense to date would be helpful. Yeah, so um, if you've been watching Michigan State football in recent years, the offense was basically terrible for the most part. That was the, you know, the big knock from fans at the end of the Antonio era was, you know, you'd have a good defense. The 18 season in particular, if you guys remember the last time you were at Spartan Stadium, you had a capable defense and an offense that just couldn't move the ball. And you know, that carried over last year to, to Mel's first year. But, you know, with I think the caveat that they did not have a new staff, completely new offensive staff. Every offensive coach was new, did not have, you know, spring practice. They didn't have their first padded practice until less than a season, or less than a month before the season began. So the offense was bad again last year, 116th in scoring at 18 points a game. 122nd in rushing 91.4, which was the lowest total in program records dating back to 47, 109th in total offense at 330 yards a game. This year, 29th in scoring at 34.3, 32nd in rushing at 200 a game, and 26th in total offense at 451.7. So you, you had the numbers just right there stand out as being, you know, obviously a big difference. The explosiveness, you guys saw it in Ann Arbor a little bit last year, where basically their game plan was run it a little, do just enough, but just go up top and attack the corners. This year, now you have Kenneth Walker, so you've got a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate running back who's leading the nation in rushing yards game. He's an obvious difference maker, but you also have the, the, the threats on the outside. You got Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed have almost identical stats, 27 catches each, both 500 or 400-some, whatever it was, yards, combined for 11 touchdowns. And um, Trey Mosley is a pretty good uh, under the radar third guy, but you mix in uh, an actual running game with the talent and the speed they got on the outside. And Peyton Thorne is doing a much better job at quarterback than Michigan State's had since, you know, Brian, Brian Lewerke's breakout season in 2017, where he looked like he could be the guy. Um, this is the best quarterback play they've got since then. And, and you could argue maybe even, even more efficient than that. From Michigan's perspective, I, I think this is just the more fascinating side see how they how they handle Michigan State's offense I mean Matt mentioned it and they're very much balanced they've got weapons on in both areas of the game and Michigan has shown that they're better in, the, in rush defense I mean they're 25th in the nation they're giving up about 116 yards per game on the ground but they haven't really faced a legitimate good top top of the line running back and in I guess the one guy you could say is decent Rutgers Isaiah Pacheco he rushed for like a hundred and some yards against them so how they deal with Kenneth Walker I think is going to be fascinating to watch you know they're obviously going to have to limit him it would not surprise me if Kenneth Walker gets some get some big runs or breaks some some big yards out on Michigan but they're going to have to manage kind of both aspects of the defense now I do think they're better equipped as a whole to handle this Michigan State offense than they were last year I, I think they're doing things and we talked about this on the podcast in recent weeks but the secondary I think is better equipped they're doing different things that got disguises they're using more of their safeties in coverage more zone so I think there's less pressure on the corners and, and that was something you know quarterback Vincent Gray you know we asked him on Tuesday night about they feel more prepared going against this Michigan State offense and this passing attack so it's going to be fascinating to watch I think this is going to be the game breaker for Michigan whether they can stop or at least keep you know a Kenneth Walker in check but not only that but limit the the deep balls and and I think if they can do that they'll put themselves in position to obviously win this game but if not you know Michigan State comes out and and, you know lands some of those those deep balls I think it's gonna be it's gonna be trouble for Michigan just like it was last year I got a question for you guys have you seen a flea flicker yet this year no 
you know how many Michigan State has run? Michigan, you deployed one themselves. I was but say, they yeah. faced one. I'm saying no. I jumped in front of the other two and said no. Am I am I wrong on that? I can't think of one. No. How many has Michigan State used? They've ran it three times, and they've all gone for touchdowns. So, all right then. So be prepared in case they run it three or more three times on Saturday. It's been funny because you see it once and you're like, oh, that's cool. See that once a year, and then you see it again, and then you see it again, and they're just like, eh. Whatever. Basically, Mel's expl- explanation is it's just play, you know, play like any other play. And, and to, to that point, he, he's right. But a unique play, to say the least, that they've been successful with. Are they doing it with different guys? Or is it always the same? Uh, it's been the same thing. Well, all right. So the first two, it's been Kenneth Walker in each time. The first time they ran it was the opening play against Youngstown State. I remember. Yeah. Straight up, you know, he gets the handoff. The safety comes down. Walker pitches it back and the safety's just, he knows in an instant it's over. So there was a 75 yard touchdown to Reed. The second time was against Nebraska when their offense wasn't doing much the whole game. Um, and that one was to Reed. I think that was like 38 yards. And then the third one was to Naylor and that was at Rutgers and that was like 60 something. I will say the players and, and Jim Harbaugh have all been asked about trickery. So they're, they've, they're, it's clearly on their radar. I'm sure they're preparing for it. You know, whether Michigan State can, will try it or, and or pull it off, we'll, we'll see. But they've been asked about it. So they, they know, they know it's going to, you know, it's a possibility. That's an annual, annual thing here as well. Of course, to, I mean, there, there's a thought among, you know, some of the, some of the media here, you know, that Michigan State is just, you know, dumps its entire playbook for this game and saves things. And it's, it's a, it's a little overblown, I think, but. Yeah, obviously, this season, at least, Michigan State's had no problem pulling out the trickery in in other games. We'll get back to some kind of major keys, but let's talk special teams at at least briefly. You know, I I use this one, you know, website. It's it's these FEI, you know, ratings, these efficiency ratings that kind of combine all sorts of special teams. And, you know, I I trust them as as much as anything else because it's otherwise it's, it's really hard to dig into you know, things beyond just made field goals and all right, whether guys, you know, return punts for touchdowns or something like that. Michigan is second nationally in, in this statistic and Michigan State is 12th. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're right up there too. The the regular Wolverine confidential podcast listeners certainly know, you know, that Jake Moody has been extremely efficient as a field goal kicker. Brad Robbins has been, you know, an, an above average punter and their, their return games are, you know, okay, kind of developing. They've got they've got some weapons there, even if they haven't really broken a big one yet. Can you tell us a little bit about Michigan State special teams? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Jaden Reed. Um, he's got two punt returns for touchdowns, and they actually came on back to back returns, I believe. So uh, they would have lost to Nebraska. They were down by seven in the fourth quarter, and he returned a punt for a touchdown. Then it's something to watch. So on that one, they had both Reed and Naylor back on the same return, and Nebraska's punter screwed up punted it the wrong direction, but it was, you know, a little misdirection where Naylor pretended like the ball was coming to him and it actually goes to Reed and, you know, he's got to step and And then he took one back the, the opening punt return the next week against Western Kentucky. So he's an explosive guy. He's also explosive on kickoff returns. He's definitely one to watch. And then uh, kicking game has been solid. Uh, Matt Coglin, six year guy. He was he kicked in Ann Arbor in 2017. He's been around for, while the career all-time leader in field goals made in program history. He's not known so much for having a big leg, which is weird because he's been really effective on kickoffs, getting touchbacks. But coming off a big game at Indiana, he had uh, tied a career long with a 51-yard field goal made and made one from 49. And that was really you know five-point game. Those were the difference. And then it, 
Their punt game has been pretty solid with Bryce Berenger, basically been the top five of the nation most of the season in, in average yards per punt. And, you know, he's been pretty good. Their coverage unit's been pretty good. And, yeah, I mean, just, you know, they they use their starters. You know, you get Jaden Reed out there as a gunner. And, I mean, they're not afraid to, to put their key guys out there in those roles. All right. I want to get into kind of just a, a, a key to the game, even if it's, you know, something that kind of we, we maybe touched on earlier in this conversation. We can can kind of go around the horn here, just, you know, one from each of you. And I'll, I'll start by just saying, like, generally speaking, this game, I mean, it just seems like it should be really competitive. You look at these these resumes, I mean, mentioned, of course, both 7-0, and Michigan number six in the AP poll, Michigan State number eight. And just like the, the margin of victory in some of their games, like they've each had like that one kind of nervous moment against an inferior opponent, Michigan with Rutgers, Michigan State with Indiana, you know, both have, you know, some, some road wins here and yet neither have like been seriously tested yet. I know, you know, Michigan State got a, got a win over a team that was ranked at the time uh, in Miami, but none of these are, are marquee games yet. Those are all all to come and they, and they start this Saturday. It's just kind of fascinating from from that perspective. But what do you think can potentially swing this game? What will be something that will really determine the outcome? You can start with Aaron, then go, then go Matt and, and Zook. This probably sounds cliche, but I the more I think about both sides in, in this matchup, I, I this game's gonna be determined, you know, in the trenches, offense and defense aligned, especially for Michigan. I mean, their offensive line is gonna need to get push and, and establish the run game, and then their defensive line is gonna have to show up and limit Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. And if, if either one of those things doesn't happen, Michigan's in for a long day and they could certainly potentially lose lose this game. Yeah, I mean, I agree with there. And I mean, remember the years where I, you know, was how many games in a row had been determined by whichever team ran for the most yards, you know, and, and then you know, last year, Michigan State just throws it up top. So, you know, I do think, you know, it's that cliche. And so I'll, I'll stick with another cliche. How about turnovers? But whoever has the fewest turnovers wins the game. Michigan State had been pretty good about that this year. Thorne has been very efficient, but he did, you know, he's, he had three interceptions last two games combined. So that's something to watch. Um, so I'll stick with a, another easy one. So is one. Michigan though. The term, I mean, there's just another yeah. another thing, you know, as far as as total turnovers lost. I mean, Michigan has Michigan has four. They've given the ball away four times all year. Michigan State only only seven. So also very impressive. But yeah, just another another similarity between these teams. Yeah, I'm gonna go with my key is whoever eats the heartier breakfast is gonna win. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. And, and for Michigan, it's it's if they can connect on some deep pass plays to open up the run game. I think they're instead of starting with with the run and trying to establish the run, I think they're going to need to maybe take a few shots early downfield to open up the run for for the rest of the game. And if they're able to do that. I think I trust Michigan's defense more than I trust Michigan State's defense at this point. Michigan's going to need to, to hit on a couple big plays, and I think. Their defense will will be able to, to contain Michigan State somewhat to limit the, limit them to under twenty four points. Well, let me uh, just interrupt here a little bit too. So we've got a we got a scoop on what Jaden Reed's going to be having for breakfast on Saturday, <laughs> actually. So he uh, was talking on Monday about how he's superstitious and certain things he does, and one of them he says for he doesn't like to eat a ton before games. He doesn't like to get too full, especially the noon kickoffs, but. Pancakes, eggs, bacon, a side of fruit, and a glass of water is his. Doesn't uh, like the. So that's a life. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a lot to me, but you know, I'm not a uh, 20 year, one year old uh, athlete in the you know peak physical condition, so I would not be playing a football game. Obviously, so you take uh, like yeah. one bite of each and say, "Oh yeah, it's not much, but it's a little bit of variety." That's that's crazy. 
Yeah, I, I like that. A light thing, and then you list like eight things. But I mean, I guess if if you know it was just one, you know, one pancake or one, one slice, you know, then yeah, maybe it's not not that much when it all is said and done. But that is interesting. Yeah, we'll have we'll have our predictions. You know, in in these in these coming days, I think we all have to to put a score on this thing. This is one of those where I'm not going to feel happy about what I what I go with, no matter what. And it's going to be like I, I just feel like I need right up until till kickoff to make my decision. You never know what could happen down on down on that field before the game too. That could that could swing it. You know, last, last time that was the last time Michigan was there with the Devin Bush situation. Yes. Yep. yep. Yes, it was. That was quite the fun day. <laughs> it was. It was. So we'll see what uh, what else that we have in store in this matchup before during and after the game. We'll have it covered from all sides, mlive.com slash Wolverines and mlive.com slash Spartans. Thank you for listening to this special episode.